Welcome to the Camino Home. This is Nick. This is Derek. Derek, you gave me the permission to take the wheel again. I did. You, you, last Friday night at the, the final football game of the season, you looked at me and you said, Jesus, take the wheel. And I was like, I will take it from your hands. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Save me, Jesus. Save me. Save me. And I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you didn't eat all your vegetables and say your prayers, but you did eat all your vitamins, so... Like the Hulkster would say. I was, ooh, you beat me to it. I was just thinking the Hulkster. <laughs> That's right, little brother. Uh, eat your vitamin, brother. <laughs> say your prayers. Eat your vitamins. Say your prayers. It's the commute home with Nick and Derek. This is Nick. From Chicago's northwest suburbs, our hosts chat about, well, you know, whatever two middle-aged men like to talk about. Talk about some movies. The work day is done. Time to grit your teeth. Get through the traffic and make the commute home. Hey, don't honk at me. So you been up to anything this week, sir? Uh, this week, nah, pretty much normal stuff. Over the weekend, I did binge watch Daredevil Season 3. That's already out? That came out on Friday, yeah. What'd you think? I, I enjoyed it. Uh, while, while I was watching it, I really enjoyed it. Um... They introduced Bullseye this season, and they did a fantastic job with Bullseye. He was really good. Uh, not overdone. And Kingpin comes back, right? Yep, he, he, he's in it. I wish there was more Vincent D'Onofrio. I think I think this this the the season needed more, but uh, he is back and he's phenomenal as always. Um, yeah, it's I went through thirteen episodes. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought there was one wasted episode in there out, out of the out of the lot, and that was it. Um, so yeah, enjoyable, and it's getting really good reviews from the critics and for, and from fans of the show. Looking back at it, I have to say that out of all the uh, Netflix Marvel properties, this one I walked away feeling like there's a lot of holes in it. There's a lot of things they could have done better. Mm-hmm. But while while I was watching it, I really enjoyed it. It's just when I when I look back at it and I analyzed it, I'm like, eh, I didn't like that. They needed more of this. They they didn't do enough of that. Things like that. So do you feel like do you feel like they've still got some place to go though with the show? Uh, so Charlie Charlie Cox, who uh, plays Daredevil in the show, uh, did a statement over over the weekend, basically saying he thinks this is it. And, and he, he feels that if they kept going, he doesn't know what they would do because he feels like the writers wrote themselves into a corner. Oh, do you feel the same way? I didn't get that feeling from, from the show that they wrote themselves into a corner. But, you know, what, the, what he kind of talked about was, you know, uh, the main character's attitude towards life being Daredevil and his friends is pretty messed up right now. It's pretty warped. And he's, you know, some, somehow he's got to kind of, you know, reset that and fix that. And he doesn't know how the writers are going to do that. I didn't get that impression, but, uh, but may, you know, maybe, maybe that's true. I don't know. Well, I think that's kind of the age old superhero thing though. Right. Is like, like for instance, you take Batman who's one person during the day, this other person in the evening and eventually anybody that's human that stuff you do in the evening or whatever, all that bad that you see and the negativity, it'll bleed over into your normal life. And when those lines blur, then, you know, you end up with that. So so what you're saying is like, or maybe what he's saying is maybe he thinks that they have to 
turn him around to where he's more positive thinking? What he said was that in his mind, uh, if they're going to keep going with Daredevil for a season four, he, he thinks that the very beginning of the next season would have to be uh, Daredevil and his two friends, Foggy and Karen, like taking a vacation down the Caribbean for a week. And that would have to be episode one to kind of get the character back on track and back in the right mindset to keep the series going. So, yeah, when it comes so to... So almost like a reset. Yeah, like a mental reset, which, uh, which, was, which it was an interesting take. Interesting. Well, it's, it, it is interesting that he would say that, though, because uh, I'm sure you know by now that Netflix has canceled not only Iron Fist, but Luke Cage as well. Yeah, uh, and, and now he's saying that he doesn't think that uh, Daredevil's going to go on. So I wonder if this is the end of the Marvel Netflix movies because the well, I've got theories behind it, but um, I wonder, what do you think? Well, I was just about to say, let's talk about your theories, because personally, I believe that, you know, when Disney went into an agreement with Netflix, and then they later on decided that uh, to produce these shows and make these shows and everything, then later on, they decided they were going to do the the Disney streaming service that uh, and then they said, well, those those shows will stay on Netflix. I got the feeling then that like, no, they won't. Disney's not going to allow somebody else to make money off of their stuff any longer than they have to. Netflix owns owns those, though. But that, that's the way the contract is. Right. Netflix owns them, but di- doesn't Disney own the core characters, though? Yeah, but they're licensed out. The, 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 from what I understand, the, the, the way the contract is written is that those shows uh, will never move to the Disney streaming service, that those are Netflix property. Right, but in the past, it almost seems like some of these movie studios and stuff would rather see something die than make money for somebody else continually. But that's not that's not the case, though. The case is Netflix owns those properties. Uh, I Netflix owns the television rights, not the character rights. Disney owns the character rights. Right, but Disney can't take... Are you talking about taking the existing shows that have been made, or are you talking about taking the characters and doing some, something else with them? No, 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 no. What I'm talking about is Disney owns the character rights, so they go to Netflix and they're like, we don't want to make these shows anymore. Right. We don't want you to make these shows anymore. And Netflix is like, well, if you put them on your streaming channel or whatever, you're in breach of contract. And Disney's like, fine, we won't put them on our, show, on our channel, but we're not going to allow you to make them anymore either. Well, that correct, but the ones that were made stay with Netflix forever. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Right. But what I mean is future, future-wise. Netflix is the one canceling these, though, not Disney. But are they? Yeah, that's some conspiracy stuff. Um, what do you What do you think, though? What like? Because it kind of reminds me of how you know uh, Fantastic Four and X Men and all that stuff were owned by Fox, right? They own the the movie rights and everything. So Marvel wasn't going to get them back. So Marvel said, you know what? We're going to stop making the comics. And they did there for a while, right? Just for Fantastic Four, yes. Just for Fantastic Four? Yeah. Okay. Which Which was not a high circulation comic at the time. Okay. All right, fair enough. So what are your thoughts, though? 
So yeah, so so, so one, it, 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 you know, I, it could kind of be that that uh, Netflix sees that uh, Disney is doing their own streaming service starting next year, and they could be going uh, for one. You know, they've already announced the Loki and the Scarlet Witch show on on Disney streaming. Yeah, and maybe they're thinking that they're not going to be able to compete with that with the with the the Defenders characters. Mm, fair enough. So that's why they're not going forward. It could also be, you know, Netflix bleeds millions of dollars every year and they're still making all this original content and, and no one understands their business model how the, how they can st- they can make all this original content bleed millions of dollars and keep doing it over and over and over maybe it's finally like uh-oh we can't do this for another year we got to start you know getting towards being profitable because the streaming wars are going to be huge next year there, there are going to be so many new players that, that are going to be online streaming from the different uh, channels and stations and networks that maybe they're really buckling down and tighten up their, their belt for that. I think that brings up a great point because um, what I will say is that is a perfect segue, and I almost feel like we might be getting good at this, into my first thing I wanted to talk about, and that's this article I pulled from CNBC talking about Netflix is fueling its ballooning cash burn with $2 billion in new debt. <laughs> Incredible. It says, it says $2 billion adds to the growing debt burden on Netflix's balance sheet. The company reported almost $12 billion in total debt as of September 30th. At the same time, Netflix is burning cash faster, at faster and faster rates. In its third quarter earnings report, though, the company reported negative cash flow of eight hundred fifty nine million, mm-hmm. and it expects a negative cash flow of three billion dollars in the next year, but investors keep pushing money towards Netflix. So, what I was going to ask you is, with the cancellation of shows like that, and more of Netflix pushing towards original content, in your honest opinion, do you think Netflix has staying power doing this? Yeah, it's, it's you know what are, so what are the biggest things that um that Netflix has right now? I mean, they have the Marvel Netflix stuff kind of right now. Um Stra- Stranger Things is theirs. Cultural I, phenomenon. Uh, well, right, but I'm just talking about like the biggest shows that are out there, like who has what. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they have Stranger Things. And then they got a bunch of other, you know, surplus stuff, stuff that already already ran on ABC, ends up uh, on, on the Netflix app, uh, things like that. Is that enough for them to stay around? Uh, because, you know, Amazon Prime has has their, their content, which is uh, pretty decent, to be honest. They've, they've got a lot, of, a lot of really good original shows on that uh, app. Uh, Hulu's there, who kind of gobbles up almost everything else that comes off of TV. Plus, they have some good original shows. Yeah, absolutely. Um and then, uh, and then now we've got all these new guys coming out. You know, Paramount has has their network, which that I think that's the one that has the new Star Trek series on it. Uh, DC is now has has their app, which sounds pretty darn good. They're gonna have Titans on it very shortly. Yeah, you have the, the Disney and CBS and HBO. All of those things. Yeah, uh, everybody's getting a streaming service. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah, and, and everyone else is their price points between like six and ten dollars, and I, I think Netflix is a little bit higher than that. I, I don't remember how much mine is. It ten or fourteen dollars for Netflix? 
Uh, I think it's 10 uh, unless you want the family plan, and then it jumps up to 14. That's right. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like maybe they're, they're getting ready for the crunch, and they're getting ready to actually have to – I mean, what would happen to Amazon today if, if Amazon started getting some serious online competitors 10 years ago? You know, I, I don't think Amazon would turn out the way it is today. I think that's the case that Netflix is in right now. So, so you're comparing Netflix now to what Amazon was ten years ago, or no? Yeah, I mean, it, Amazon always always blew my mind because I, I liked Amazon from, almost from the get go, but every year they were losing millions and millions of dollars. And I actually went through for one of my classes for my job, and I went and I read through the um, the business case for Amazon, and the, the big tagline was, "We lose money every year, but we make up for it with market share." And I'm like, "What?" But if your market shares grows, that means you're going to lose more money. And then they were like, well, what's going to happen is the market share is eventually going to get big enough and then hit, hit critical mass, and then we'll be profitable. I'm like, wait, you have less people, you lose money. Then you get more people, you lose money. But if then if you get more people after that, then you start making money? How the heck does that work? I thought it was made up. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was some sort of brand new voodoo economics that made no sense to me. But it worked. Voodoo economics. Yeah. Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> well, but wouldn't you say though? Okay, so so let's th- if we think about it like that, right? And we look at the the platform that is Netflix, and they're talking about uh, original uh, programming. And the original programming for TV, they're they're buying movies at like film festivals and producing stuff and everything like that. However. The, there are rarities in which those movies in which they buy show up on the big screen, okay? So you're not getting that money. And maybe they go into that avenue. But Amazon, though, you know, they went from this uh, marketplace where you, you buy and you can sell stuff. But now Amazon has also bought grocery stores. And they bought other things in which to f- get a future to... Uh, to revolutionize, right? They've got the Amazon streaming service, which didn't exist before. So they have all these other uh, different avenues in which they're going down. Netflix seems like it's only TV and movies. Do you agree? Yeah, and the funny thing is, by the way, is uh, Netflix sits on the Amazon servers. They're on the Amazon cloud. So they're having to pay Amazon something, Mm -hmm. yes? Mm Mm-hmm. That's their number one uh, um, bill, I would think, every month, running that server farm. Oh, I imagine. And the fact that, like, Netflix doesn't own the Internet, right? They're not a bandwidth or, or, or cable provider or Internet provider. So, you know, in order for people to watch Netflix, you have to have Internet from somebody else. Same thing with Amazon Prime Video or whatever. So that's not really that big of a deal, but you're still depending on somebody else to deliver your content. Yes? You're talking about having infrastructure in place. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. So so that's why my question to you is, like, I get the comparison to Amazon, but in your heart, do you feel like with all of these other streaming services popping up, I mean, Netflix is going to take a hit, right? I think and, so. And I, and, I, and I don't think it helped them at all stating, coming out and stating, oh, Stranger Things isn't going to come back till summer of 2019, which will be 
18 months. That is that is one thing that that's kind of kind of been bugging me about Netflix is the re, is uh, release schedules. Uh, I wish things would come out every like once a year like they do on TV. They seem to like come out something and then you never know when the next season is going to happen. Especially with with the Netflix Marvel shows, those release dates were all, have been all over the place for every season. Yeah, you can't really depend. Hey, I know that this is going to come out at this time, and maybe they do it though, is because they know that. Hey, if I tell you every August or every October, Daredevil is going to come out with a new season, maybe people will cancel, and then we sign back up. Could be. So it, it, the the whole Netflix thing is interesting to me because, you know, I'll take that and I'll flip that into the next thing in Movie Pass, which obviously not nearly as successful as Netflix. Flicks, but they are continuing to freaking hang on. And now um, the owners of Movie Pass, it's Helios and Matheson. Mm-hmm have decided to, for MoviePass to be spun off into a separate company. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, sir. They are still around, Derek, and they're fighting. The spin, which has been given preliminary approval by the board of directors, aims to create a vertically integrated company fo- focused on film production, marketing. Helios and Matheson is a data, data analytics firm withholdings beyond entertainment under the new plan a new subsidy called movie pass entertainment holdings would take over shares of movie pass inc and other film assets held by helios pursuing a nasdaq listing shares in helios zoomed 42 percent on the news though that only brought them to two and a half cents yeah they're back down to 1.9 cents as of today Oh, are they back down again? Yeah. You are you are intrigued with this stock, aren't you? It's actually I have it bookmarked, and uh, I have I, I've got about ten things book, bookmarked <laughs> for this podcast, and uh, this is one of the ten. Okay. Th- and, and basically, I hit one button, and all ten of my bookmarks come up at once. Uh, so whenever okay. I, whenever I get ready for the podcast, it's the tab's right there, and I check it out. So you don't have like the ticker on your phone or anything like that, no, letting no. you know how the movie pass stock is doing. You know, I, I'm so anti stock market that I've actually deleted the stock app off my phone years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. It's it, to be honest with you, man. We've been talking about movie pass for months. I can't believe it's still around. I know. I can't believe that I still have fucking a subscription with them. But I still go to the movies, like, enough that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And until it's like they either, A, say you can only one wa- watch one movie a month, or B, they completely take away the theaters I go to, like, it's it still makes sense to me. Or if I stop going to the movies. <laughs> you know? So, but... I, I don't know, man. They're still fighting and clawing. I don't think they're going to turn it around. It may be a little too late. But how is this even legal, this shit that they're coming up with? Oh, I know. I know. I mean, uh, <laughs> what was I going to say? Yeah, because if your stock is worth worth less than a dollar, the NASDAQ can kick you off at any point in time. And they've been sub $1 yes. for a while, and the the NASDAQ hasn't done anything. Which everyone's surprised they haven't been forced, been forced to do another reverse uh, stock split. So, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. So this will be. I, I this might be the thing that kills MoviePass. Well, we shall see. I, I don't know because uh, HMNY has been around for a while. It's been around since 2004, and they were worth some money back in the day. So that stock would what I, I think would, would be in pretty good shape. Uh, the MoviePass stock, eh, not so much. So is the stock market play here? Is to before this happens actually buy the HMNY stock as cheap as it is. And once they flip over the movie pass as a subsidy, maybe they start going up and movie pass, you know, slowly goes down. Yeah, I mean, because you know, uh, so if you look, it could be. I, I don't know. I don't know how that split's going to work. Like, how do you pick where your stock money goes? Mm, I don't think they do. I think they leave stock as it is, but they create this. It, it makes it sounds like. Um, they want to create a movie pass um, entertainment holdings, so it would be a completely separate company that essentially they're bringing to the stock market for the first time. And HMH is it HMY? HMNY is the, is the NASDAQ. Uh, HMNY, yeah. So, and maybe HMNY has to start from where they are and start building up. And their hope is maybe people start investing in them again, knowing that MoviePass is not involved in that. Yeah, I mean, just for reference, I'm going through this. So, so uh, um, they've been around this since 2004. With the current amount of stocks that are out there right now, the lowest the stock price was before all this stuff happened was about $300 per stock. For HMNY? Yeah. Wow, it dropped from $300 down to... A penny or whatever that was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, half a half a penny. Back in two thousand five, it was up to seven thousand dollars per share. Uh, Three thousand per share in two thousand seven. Kind of levels off after that. Then we're seeing stuff between six and uh, three hundred dollars and a thousand dollars. In twenty sixteen, is is that when MoviePass got going? Uh, yeah, 2015, 2016, something around there. So it jumps, it jumps up at that point from about 300 bucks a share to about uh, $2,000 a share. Stays like that, drops off. And that's off. when they were doing the subscription service, but it was like 30 or 50 bucks a month. Okay. Then in 2017, it shoots up to $5,000 a share and then just uh, drops like a rock ever since then. So, but yeah, I mean, that, yeah. That 5000 a share must have been when they launched the... Ten dollar a month service, but then, like you said, slowly after that, free fall. Yep. So maybe that's their hope is that it'll go back up once they separate and they say, "Nope, that's its movie passes its own company. It's not part of this anymore." Mm-hmm. Could be. I mean, if they do that, that means that company, that original company, they don't have like all the assets that they have now, but they don't have that debt. And, and it appears that, that this company was operating with I don't I'm not I don't know for sure, but just based on the stock price, I would think that their company was originally you know operating with very low debt originally. That was a real company, so yeah, it could be worth something, right? Yeah, and I don't know. Like, can you transfer debt? Like, MoviePass as a company would have to buy that debt, or maybe them. <laughs> I I don't know, man. It. it it's confusing as hell to me, honestly. Yeah, as an outsider watching this, is interesting. I do not want to dip that, that my toe into that cesspool, you know. Yeah, I, I to me this sounds like a Dateline episode 
three to five years from now where somebody ends up in freaking prison. Yeah. <laughs> that that's what this that's what this feels like to me. So um we we will see what happens. Um yeah. So at this point I will say to you, sir, uh traffic was not that bad. So I'm pulling into the driveway and I've got a list of things to talk about for tomorrow. All right, sir. All we right. will talk tomorrow. Talk to you later. God bless. God bless. <laughs> All right. Brother. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> it's Friday Eve. It's Friday Eve. That's right. It's weekend Eve. Weekend Eve. Fucking amen. The the final activity of my son's high school football career is this evening with the award ceremony. Yep. You going to behave? Uh, dude, I don't know. I, I I have a plan to behave. All right. But I'm just saying that if I call you from jail. <laughs> yeah. Help a brother out. All right. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to do it and just know that I tried really, really hard and I couldn't contain myself. Man, you know, I screen on my phone calls. I don't answer the phone anymore. So, like, ugh. I guess that means tonight. Oh, I'll to, call back. I, I guess that means tonight I'll actually have to answer my phone if, if, if it rings. And hopefully it's going to be you and not a telemarketer. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Dude, I'm just telling you, man. You know what? Fuck it. I'll call my wife. Never mind. <laughs> and then she'll call. She'll text me. Yeah. She'll call. Yeah, yeah. She'll text you. She'll be like, can you go get that stupid ass? Because <laughs> he wouldn't sit down and shut the hell up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, bittersweet, more, more, uh, more sweet than bitter, I guess at this point. So, so Derek, you know, next Wednesday, what that is, right? Hump day. No. Well, yes, (laughs) but it's, but it's also October 31st. Ah, okay. And this last Friday, well, I guess would have been a week ago tonight. Uh, the new Halloween movie premiered. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those that listened to my 15-minute review, thanks, that didn't, shut up, don't care. Um, but anyway, so Halloween opened last weekend, opened with uh, $77.5 million, which is the second-best October box office ever. You could also say it's the second-best box office this October. <laughs> or this October. Right. But I think something that's really cool about that is the fact that A, it's the second best October ever, but it's the second best October this October, at to your point. Trailing Venom by which made eighty point three. So less than three million dollars it trailed Venom. One of the coolest things I thought was, you know how much money it cost to make Venom? Uh, it was, what, $100 million? $100 million. You know how much it cost to make Halloween? I believe it was $10 million. $10 million. Which makes me wonder, how much of that was Jamie Lee Curtis's salary? Because I got to think she was at least a couple million just by herself. I, I don't know. I, I think that's possible. But I wonder if she... If she believe like, because because uh, everything I've read is like she really 
uh, wanted to come back and do this and really liked the story and everything like that. But nothing I read talked about how much money she made. So I wonder if she, like, took a pay cut, comparatively speaking, to what she normally would in order to make this movie. But I, I just, I thought it was very interesting that it took $100 million to make 80 versus 10 to make 77. Do you find that interesting at all? Or do you feel like, eh, different types of movies? Movies in this genre have, have a history of doing this. We saw this with The Purge, the first Purge. All the Purge movies have done this. Uh, where, mm-hmm. In terms of um, cost, they, they've done great. Uh, the other one that just happened recently, too, was... Um, Oh, I was reading about Paranormal Activity. That thing made cost okay. nothing to make, and um, you know it did great in the box office. I don't know if it's still the case, but I, I know when it finally came out, Rob Zombie's first uh, film, um, House of a Thousand Corpses, that went down as being the most profitable movie of all time when it came out. Really? Yeah, the the money it made compared to to the how much it cost him to make it. When you do that that uh, that equation, it was the most profitable movie of all time. Yeah, I I think when, you know, horror movies have such... But, okay, so we know why Venom, right? We know why superhero movies cost that much money uh, to a point. And most of that's special effects. Would you agree or no? Not special effects, because Halloween, uh, Paranormal Activity, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, all these horror films are huge special effects movies. They're not CG movies, though. CG, that's why I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm confusing the two. Like computer-generated stuff. Yes. And, and all the people you have to hire to do that. Yeah. Because you're right. You're absolutely right. Makeup and everything else is considered a special effect. Yeah, I, I think nowadays, I think before people kind of lump them together, but now I think they need to be separate because we have to understand that these special effects films do not cost much money and they make a lot of money. And the special effects right. stuff looks great. It, it looks as good as it ever did where, you know, you, people's, you know, brains are getting shot out and heads cut off and, you know, all that gory, nasty stuff. And it all looks good. It looks, I, looks for me, I think it looks real. Um, but now the CG thing, all of a sudden, it's a huge bump up in cost and it just, it shocks me. Absolutely shocks me. I wonder how, how long this is going to go on for. So, so let me ask you this, because that you bring up a great point. Uh, you know, how long is this going to go on for? But my question is, why do dramas cost so much money? And why are they not as profitable? I think it's probably, that might be salaries. Because most dramas that we see are bringing in the top Hollywood actors and actresses to sell the film. So I would imagine you would say that comedies would fall into the same boat. Yeah. Adam Adam Sandler's got to get paid. Because you're going to have to pay Kevin Hart $15 million. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting, and I think that, like, I don't know. I mean, it'll probably never stop, right? Where they'll stop paying people $20 million to make a movie uh, based on their name when you can get somebody for $500,000 that would probably do just as good of a performance, um, but they're banking on that person's name to bring in more money. Mm -hmm. I wonder what the analysis is with that, though. Like, like for instance, you take... um, Jennifer Lawrence, who I think either last year or the year before, she was the highest paid actress. And it's it's now it's uh, Scar- it's Scarlet Widow now. Um, whatever whatever her name is, I'm blanking. 
Scarlett Johansson. Yes, thank you. Black Widow. <laughs> did I call her Scarlet Widow? <laughs> yeah, you did, but I was just, I was going to let it go, man. I was just going to uh, go with it. Scarlett Johansson, yes. Uh, She's a top-paid uh, actress now. Um, And I would imagine a, a big portion of that comes from her Avengers money. Uh, you know, the, how the actors' union works and how they set salaries, I've never gotten into, actually, the, the nuts and bolts of that. Okay. Because, because, because okay. you do have, a, like, a set salary that you can charge, but then you can charge, like, discount prices on your salary if you really want to do a passion project. I think it has something to do with the size of the film. Um, or you can get backloaded in regards to make a, a portion of how much the movie makes. Right. Or, or on DVD sales or whatever, yeah. Right. Isn't, you know, famously, that's what Robert Downey Jr. did with uh, the first Avengers movie. That's what uh, Ben Affleck did on Daredevil as well. Okay. Well, it worked out better for Robert Downey Jr. than Ben Affleck. I don't think so. DVD sales have gone really? in, gone in the toilet over the years. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, people don't people don't buy uh, DVDs like they used to. The sales are go down every year. It's a it's a it, they they consider it kind of like CDs. It's a industry that's kind of dying because there's so many streaming services and cable options and all that now. Yeah, that's very true. Um. So yeah, I just. Hollywood just doesn't make sense to me, man. The more, like, since we started doing this podcast, like, I've always been interested in, like, movies and everything like that, but never into, like, money and stuff like that. But now that we've been doing the uh, the podcast, like, I see myself reading more and more about that, and I'm like, I do, it doesn't make sense. Like, they'll, they'll hire directors that made suck movies and pay them a lot of money. Or they'll hire actors to do things that are different than the things in which they're famous for and think that just because they hire them for a lot of money that they're going to save a movie and then the movie bombs. Mm -hmm. So it's just... uh, Hollywood's a strange place, man. It is. It it, it really is. Uh, Like the the role of producers, that always kind of mesmerizes me. What they really do, what they really bring to a picture. Like... um, like Kathy, what's her name? Uh, the Star Wars producer. Yeah, Kathy Kennedy. Yeah, you know she's she's attached to all these big name movies. She's also attached to movies that that, that don't do very well. Uh, what does she bring to the table? I don't really know. Or to me, or is it just right place at the right time? Um, what interests me about all, all this when it comes to Hollywood money is how much it costs for CG. It makes me really want to study where that money is being spent. Um, and, and understand that, uh, you know, me as kind of a software guy, kind of, sort of, uh, I want to understand like what's, where the money's getting spent and figure out if, is there something we, we can do with that software to automate some of this stuff to, you know, bring down times in, in, a, in a way to really limit those costs. Cause if you, if you, if we find something that can cut CG development budgets in half, oh my God, if you could do that, you, you could sell that software for millions of dollars. And just you know, you you just bank for the rest of your life. So uh, hey, that's that's funny because that brings up my next question that I would say to you: if you are a if you are a kid coming out of high school and you're looking at careers um, that you're going to make the most amount of money with the least amount of schooling, wouldn't you think like some kind of computer graphic design? It's got to be. Tor- 
towards the top of that? No, no. Uh, you don't think so? No, no, no. It, it, that, that, there, that's a, um, so that's a lot of work. Um, for, from, what I, from what I've seen about, and for, so graphic designers, I am I, friends with a lot of graphic designers and a lot of, I, a lot of guys I went to school for, I graduated with them and all that. Graphic design is a overpopulated industry. It has been for the past 15 years, to be honest. So graphic designers okay. have, have a hard time um, like uh, keep getting jobs, keeping jobs. They're, they're mostly working freelance during catalog seasons and then off on their own back on unemployment. People that actually have a graphic design job and, and uh, a permanent position, they stay there for as long as they can because it's a tough industry. Now, yeah, but for, for, for these animators, uh, I've heard yeah, stories okay. about, about, about them. And from what I've seen for myself doing our silly little YouTube channel, uh, animating is very much on par with programming. And the fact that it's, it's a skilled art that's kind of repetitive. It's kind of artistry. It's kind of skill. It's kind of learning. And it's kind of repetitive all at the same time. Animating to me feels a lot like programming. And, and I see the salaries that these, that these uh, animators are getting. Engineers make more. <laughs> And I hear about the hours they got to do, especially like these people that work for video game companies. Oh my good God. Um, you know, they talk about the huge crunches to get that stuff done. Um, okay. It's, uh, it's a tough industry from, from everything I can see. Hmm. All right. So what you're saying is stay in school. Uh, yeah. You, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very much on people getting some sort of degree. I don't care if it's from a trade school or from a university. I think you have to get a degree in this day and age. And um, yeah, I don't know. For me, it, it seems like business marketing jobs are the way to go. Um, because the, the, those are the people in companies that make the most amount of money. Uh, yeah, they're on the clock a lot of times, but the work's not that hard, in my opinion. Yeah. It's managing people mostly. And it's setting up... Uh, it's, it's contacting people and talking to people and looking for future vi visions and things like that. You own a lot of stuff. You're responsible for a lot of stuff. But the work isn't that hard in, from what I've seen. I mean, for me, putting together... I think that's fair. I think for me, putting together PowerPoints is one of the easier parts of my job. But that's the part that is kind of the most important for them. So that's my, that's my personal bias, though. I, I couldn't imagine you putting, putting together PowerPoints. Like, I could see you just getting really annoyed with having to break all that shit down to bullet points. I actually, I, I used to do presentations to the board every quarter. Well, I, I, I know you've done it, but, like, it seems to me like, to you, that would be a very monotonous, annoying part of your job. Mm, not really. It's, it's trying to take what I do and put it in, in normal people's understanding in layman's terms. And, and so that's something I can't really half-ass, and I, I want to make sure it's good. Fair enough. So have you started watching The Walking Dead yet? Yeah, I have. What are you thinking? Um, you know what? The first episode, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Uh, and now there's been, what, two or three, episode, three episodes, I believe? Uh, three episodes. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by the storyline. I'm going to keep watching it this season. How about you? Uh, no, I haven't started watching it yet. Um, don't know when I'm going to get around to it, but I can tell you though, that ratings have dipped to a series low. 
they saw ratings fall 50% the third episode of this season compared to the third episode of last season. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think last season they kind of used and abused their fans. That was a rough season to get through. That whole middle part of that of that season, I knew a lot of people, like myself included, that quit watching in the, in the middle of that season. A, a friend of mine got me to, to finish up the season and watch it, and he was right. It got a lot better at the end, but uh, there's about a half dozen episodes in there where I'm just like, ugh, why am I watching this? Where it's like nothing happens. Yeah, I think it's... Um... I don't know. Like I said, I don't know when I'll get around to it. I've never been the person that, like, I got to watch it the night of or even the next day. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll see it, and, and I'll catch up on it, and then I'll, I'll wait, and then I'll catch up on it and, and everything like that. So it, it's still uh, intriguing to me, though, that it seems like people are leaving in droves at this point. Um but I, but I don't know. I guess we'll see what it's like at the end of the season and see if those numbers still continue to drop. Yeah, I mean the the series has been trending down for the last three or four years, so not, I'm not that surprised to hear that. And yeah, last the whole Negan stuff, I love the character Negan, but the Negan saga, ugh, it got rough trying trying to watch it. Yep. It just got drawn out way too much. And he's still around, too. He, 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 he's, he's, he's still around? He, he's still around. He's still showing up in the episodes. Uh, it's like he's kind of waiting. It's like, he's like, you'll see. I'll be back. Yeah, it's like, oh, great. Negan will never go away. Well, and that's where you got to kind of worry, like, okay, if he does come back, it's like, dude, so what was the point of all of that shit that you did? Yeah, I mean, I mean, one season was just the battle to overthrow Negan. It, it was an entire season. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, they he doesn't die. Then, you know, he's in prison or whatever. And then, like, if he came back to power again, you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, so switching gears a little bit back to the big screen, did you hear about... Wonder Woman 1984 and the latest news on that. They pushed back the release date, I heard, right? Yeah. Uh, After originally being slated for December 13th of 2019, uh, then moving up to November 1st, 2019, uh, that way they were avoiding, you know, Star Wars Episode 9. Now Warner Brothers has shifted the premiere date for Wonder Woman 1984 to June 5th. 2020. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? You so know, you're telling me, Derek, that Aquaman is going to come out in December of 2018, and they're not going to come out with another DC movie until then? Until Janu- June of 2020? You know what? It, it, and I, I saw something. Um, actually, yesterday I kind of accidentally saw it. You know what is loaded out to come, come out a, a bunch of next year? What? DC cartoon movies. Interesting. I think they're slated to drop like five next year. Holy shit. Because uh, this week on Redbox, Constantine came out, uh, the cartoon came out on Redbox this week. And I just watched that last night. What did you think of Constantine? It was pretty good. I, I it, it does a good job of getting to the heart of that character. I liked it. 
Uh, you know, it's dark. It, it's Constantine and demons galore, basically. So I, I thought it was pretty good. I know that we've talked about this before, but it really seems like DC is, you know, so, so advanced with these animated movies, but they just can't get their shit together. Now, I did... I did forget when I said Aquaman was coming out this this December and then that wouldn't come out for another year and a half for Wonder Woman. I did forget about the Joker movie. So, um, you know, maybe that's going to be their 2019 release. But, you know, I, I, I'm not going to even single out Warner Brothers on this. Uh, I mean, Disney pushing out the release of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy for some reason we don't understand. The whole release pushbacks from Fox on the over the two shows that they were going to do the the two mutant the Dark Phoenix and uh, New Mutants and New Mutants you know Universal you know setting up the Dark Universe and then after what two movies destroying the Dark Universe and playing games with that uh, yeah. it seems like everyone is pushing stuff oh uh, Netflix pushing back the release of Stranger Things it, it seems like That's everyone's true. playing games with release dates right now. Which, this is the part of Hollywood that I don't get, is that there are so many people involved in these projects, and there's so much money involved in these projects. I don't care if it's a million dollars. It's still a million dollars. I can't believe this stuff gets run this poorly and not thought out this, uh, this, this, uh, this thoroughly. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. All right, welcome, uh, welcome back to the commute home. It's it's a new day. It's Friday. It's it's the end of the week. R- real quick, I got to walk back a statement I made yesterday, and that what was, did you say uh, about a house of a thousand corpses? Uh, I swear, I read or I saw somewhere that said that that was the mo- most profitable movie of all time. I double checked myself last night. I I cannot find data to corroborate that, so I, I do apologize. Oh, so what is the most profitable movie of all time? Uh, Paranormal Activity is. Okay. Is it, like, by a lot over second place, or is House of a Thousand Corpses close? Or not even, no, it's, it's not even on the list. It, 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 it Supposedly, it cost $7 million to make, and they did, like, $14, 15000000 million in theaters. So, and I, oh, that's not very good. Well, it's profitable, but... Um, oh, I mean, yeah, it's profitable, but... But, but... but it's not Paranormal Activity money. I mean, Jesus... Uh, four hundred and fifty thousand to make made almost ninety million in the theaters. Wow! Number two is the Devil Inside. Uh, a, a million to make made thirty-seven million in the theaters. The list is weird, man. Um, so wait a minute. Hang on. Number two is the Devil Inside. It it cost a million to make. Yeah. But it made thirty-seven million. Yeah. So that's a thirty-six million dollar profit. Yep. Okay, but Halloween just came out. It made it, it cost ten million and it made seventy seven. So that's a sixty seven. We're doing we're doing percentages. Percentages is is a more uh, accurate determination of profitability for this discussion. Okay, well, what's that percent? One into sixty seven. Uh, Thirty seven. Thirty seven. It made it made three thousand seven hundred percent. Okay, so if we did that math, what is ten into seventy seven? Uh, ten into seventy so is seven hundred seventy, so not not nearly as much, in terms of percentage. Got it. All right. All, All right. right. I'm with you. I'm with you. Percentages. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, interesting list because then like number three is Peter Pan, the animated one from 1953, 
139 million from a four million dollar budget. Uh, so, so let's, let's now, but but is that Peter Pan though? Is that box office when it came out, or is that box office over time? Because they've re-released that movie in the theaters. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I really. I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. But uh, but I mean, all these movies. Greece is number four on the list. God's Not Dead is number five. Paranormal Activities is number uh, two is number six. Insidious is number seven. Young Frankenstein is number eight. It's a Wonderful Life is number nine. Reservoir Dogs is number 10. So just, I mean, all different genres all over the place. I think horror does show up the most on the top 20 list, but uh, it's not consistent. And now, actually, I saw, I saw this list, and then I, I kept looking. I found a completely different list online that also looked um, correct as well with totally different movie uh, names. Uh, the only one that was the same was Par- Paranormal Activity, and the other rest of the, of the list was different. So I don't know. Well, I think that all that proves is people can make numbers look however they want. I mean, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, uh, 400K to make, made $46 million. Oh. Yes. Huh. I wonder why they would be different different lists. I don't know. I mean, first Saw movie, $1.2 million to make, made $103 million. Yeah, I see. I figured Saw would be up there because I knew it didn't cost that much money to make. And I know it made a lot of freaking money. But then on this one, like number four uh, is uh, American Graffiti, uh, 777K to make, did 140 million. Rocky, uh, 1.1 million to make, did 225 million. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there's so much that goes into that when you talk about, you talk about inflation, you talk about, uh, you know, movies getting released multiple times at the theaters. You know, all of those things, I think, go into account of, of that profitability. Not inflation, though, because it, this is the percentage. It costs less money to make it, and, and, and ticket prices were less as well. Okay, but if, uh, what, what did you say, Rocky? Mm-hmm. 1.3 to make then, yes? Uh, 1.1 to make Rockies uh, to $225 million in the box office. Okay, but... million dollars to make that movie then is not the same as 1.1 to make that movie now. Correct, and but that also that 225 would be not the same as well. Mm, But it could be. No ticket ticket prices back in '76, they were not eight bucks for a movie, man. They were like two. Right, but if they spent 1.1 million dollars to make it now, and it made 200 million dollars. That's less tickets sold than back then. You had to sell more tickets. Right, but, but, but it costs more, less money to make it, though, because you're making this too complicated. <laughs> they wouldn't make that same movie today for $1.1 million. It would cost them way more today. Okay, fair enough. I see what you're saying. Right. I agree. So, But, yeah, anyways, most profitability thing, it's interesting. It's really all over the place. Uh, it can come from a lot of different genres, and yeah, that, that is interesting because you would assume, based on knowledge of movies, that horror would be that. But based on that information that you said, yeah, horror is peppered throughout. But there's also other stuff that goes into it. Where I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, there was that movie, right? Right. I guess they can do it with this other stuff. 
because like Rocky, you go back to Rocky for instance, and that was like you said highly profitable, and they didn't have to pay Sylvester Stallone barely anything because he was in you know he got that role because he was like you can make this movie that I wrote, but only if I can star in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So interesting. But yeah, Hollywood, man, like, even when you talk about that, and you talk about profits and everything like that, and the amount of money, like, it's nothing for, I don't want to say it's nothing, but it doesn't surprise me when Hollywood spends $50 million on marketing a movie. You know, when you talk about tie-ins and toys and commercials and everything else posters and advertisements you know they they put so much money into that stuff uh, online and everything and it's like it didn't seem like it used to be that way as much with movies that when they came out who knows the, the market's so different now I, I i think i think they evolved this way because they have to be this way You know, but before I think putting ads in magazines and putting commercials on TV is how they did that. Now people don't read magazines, and now not all people watch uh, TV. Now it's all the streaming services, and YouTube's one of the biggest uh, places in the world that gets viewed every day. So you got to get your presence up on there. Uh, it's a different world for them to try to get their try to get the word out. So, so we stated that. So we would both agree that they spend more money nowadays on marketing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, here's the question. I don't know. I mean, well, YouTube videos cost them nothing per, per se, mm-hmm. which are probably the most viewed things now for for marketing materials, right? I would think so. In terms of TV advertisements, I don't think there's more of them now than there were as for, for than than we were kids. What do you think? I would say there are because there's different versions. And you got to pay somebody to cut those trailers, right? <laughs> not much. When we were kids, you got one version of a trailer. That's not true. That was it. That's not true. No, you, there were multiples. Yeah, uh, not 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 nearly as hyped as they are now. But 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 there's always, but they're the, having the teaser than the real than the real trailer was common. Right, but now you get the teaser in four real trailers. Yeah, but they, those don't cost shit. An, an intern can cut those for free. Okay. But I was going to say fair enough, but you also got to push those trailers. I, I don't know. I, I, there's got to be some kind of money in trailers, or they wouldn't do them. No, there's no, there's money in, in making them, I, or there's money in releasing them. I'm saying there's not a lot of money in making them. You're trying to argue that, that, that they're spending more money on marketing now than they were before. And, I, and I'm coming back going, eh, really? I mean, I don't have... I, I don't have any numbers. I mean, t- I mean, I mean, n- newspaper, magazine ads, those cost money, and then TV ads cost money. Uh, and, and like I'm saying, I don't think they do more on TV than they used to, and I'm sure they're doing less magazine and newspaper than they used to. So, yeah, I, I don't know. <clears throat> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's more versions of trailers, and there, and it's easy to to access this stuff and see this stuff and watch it on demand on your cable box. But that doesn't mean they're spending more money on it, though. Is what I'm saying, you know? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I, I guess it's. I guess we can't make the argument that Hollywood is any different 
than what it used to be. Right. Um, you know, because I can't say, well, you know, they they fire more directors now because that's not the case. You know, directors have been being fired for years. We just hear about it now. Yeah, you're right, right, exactly. You can't say, oh, well, they do more reshoots than they ever did. I don't have anything to back that up. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, like you said, you hear about it now. Uh, you know, yeah, you, hey, you pay $20 million for this actress for a movie that bombs. Well, they paid a lot of money for actresses back then for movies that bombed. Yeah. Right? That, I mean, it's so that, when you that, talk about equivalent. Yeah. So uh, what we're saying is Hollywood's never going to get their shit together? Well, in my – no, I don't think they are. And, and here, here's the problem with it. Uh, I love the movie Braveheart. And uh, one of the things I love from that movie is uh, the scene with Longshanks where he says, the problem with Scotland is it's full of Scots. And uh, I've applied that to many aspects of my life, especially being in the music business. And I say the biggest problem with the music business is it's full of musicians. Uh, and I'm sure the movie business is very much the same way, where it's a combination of art and business. And it's like the art side is going to constantly battle with the business side. Business guys are going to say, get it done, get it done cheap, fast, quick, so we can make our money. Art side goes, no, 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 no. This is all about art. This is about creation. This is about experimentation. And like the really successful producers and actors and directors have kind of figured out that mix between 50-50 of the business and the art. The guys that are hard are real big on the art side, they got to be darn good for people to tolerate them. And then there are those directors and producers on, that are, are on 100% on the business side. Their stuff isn't the most successful, but it's on time, on budget, and does what it's supposed to do. So I think with all those dynamics in play, it's always going to be kind of a mess, especially since so many people are involved in the process. Right. And do you think that there are more people involved? Like, I know if you watch a movie and you look at the, the end credits, you see a hell of a lot more names than what you used to. But do you think that there are more people involved now, or do you think that uh, they just didn't give people uh, the recognition back then that they do now? Uh, there's so, Well, I, I think, one, uh, movie studios are being run by boards instead of individual owners, which I think adds a layer of complexity. And then, two, it seems like with all the big projects, there's so many executive producers attached to things now, like everything. And I don't remember it being like that before. Well, and you also, like I, when I was watching Halloween the other day, um, it said, you know, executive producer so-and-so, so-and-so's, exe- uh, so-and-so's executive assistant. So it's like uh, this person was there, and it was like this person's wardrobe, this, the per- and it had a name. This person's hair, and it had a name. This person's makeup, and it had a name. This person's assistant. And it had their name. So it's like all those handlers for an actress or an actor, their names are now on the credits at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So do you, those people were probably there in the past, right? They just didn't get their name on the movie screen. Uh, it, it, well, I think, well, maybe. Do you have a point to this? Well, no, that was, uh, it, well, my point is, is are, were those, like, does it take more people to make a movie now than what it used to? Or, the, or has it been the same amount of people 
It's just you didn't see it as much back then. When like when you watch the credits, like they were those the only people involved, or were there people doing work that weren't given credit for it? Um. Okay. Well, let's potentially say there's more people involved now. Okay. So what is that? Where do you want to go from there? Well, because we're to- we're talking about how screwed up you know Hollywood is, and you know. I- Fucking, there's more people involved now, right? And I think all of this started when we started talking about Wonder Woman and pushing back the dates. Right. Changing the dates multiple times. It's like, so if you're doing that and you're doing like reshoots, right? And there's more people, and and you say there's more people involved now, and you're doing reshoots and you bring all those people back again, you're talking about money to, to make a movie cost more. And it's like if Hollywood knows this. Why the fuck do you keep doing this shit? Why do you keep moving stuff around? Why do you keep doing reshoots? Why do you keep doing this? Because this just goes back to why we started the discussion is why the hell does Hollywood keep fucking doing this stuff? I got to say, man, I'm perplexed by it as well. There's a lot of movies that I see that I think the scripts are so weak. And I just, I can't believe they shoot these movies like this where the scripts are that weak. And uh, I, I always think, think that, that they need more planning um, to, you know, before movies are shot to stop this from happening or, or to minimize it. But um, but that's not happening. It could be back to, you know, my point I was going to make is that uh, I think there's more more decision makers involved. I don't really care about all, all the people that are doing hair and effects and all that. I think the decision makers are, are, are the ones that are the big influencers in terms of time and, and all that. Um. And yeah, I mean. So I mean, what you're saying is there's there's more decision makers involved. Thus, you can't uh, these people instead of it being one person saying, "Hey, we're going to release a movie on this date," you have multiple people involved. So there's more chance of things getting moved out or moved back or whatever based on how multiple people feel versus one person. Yeah, well, we. I mean, as engineering in, uh, in engineering, we have a saying. It's called design by committee. And design by committee never works. Never, 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 ever works. And it seems like Hollywood is doing design by committee these days. So do you think that these people, though, that are like your, your top executives, like you, we mentioned Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Kennedy, Kennedy from the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Do you think that person is a figurehead or are they the one in charge? She fired the directors from Solo, so I would say she's the one in charge. But... She, again, this goes back. She's also an employee. She does have to answer to a board. So, right, because the overall company is a board, not a single person. And Mickey is a ruthless, ruthless mouse, man. He don't fuck around. Dude. That's right, man. Huh? You're fired. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Off with your head. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, that went fast. Yeah, because, I mean, Kevin Feige, you know, does a great job for the Marvel Universe, but he still, you know, reports to somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they told him, if he said, hey, I want to release a movie on this date, and they said, well, that date doesn't work because it goes up against this movie, so you're going to have to push it to this date. Mm -hmm. Or you talking about, we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy you know, volume three, they were all prepared to friggin' film that movie. And maybe he does, you know, from what I've read, 
he went to to Disney and was like, we shouldn't fire this guy. And Disney's like, no, we're firing him. Mm-hmm. So that that proves your point right there that it's like everybody reports to somebody and these boards, maybe they don't, they understand the business aspect and maybe not the art aspect. Do we think that's right? Correct? Some do, some don't. Yes. Yeah. And I think when it's, when you're always looking at it from a business aspect, like this guy that made the last Fantastic Four movie, in my opinion, you know, based on the things I read that happened on set and how bad that movie was, I'm like, I wouldn't hire that guy. But Hollywood hires him again and again. What happened on set with that? I didn't hear any of this. Well, from what from what I read, the guy was like, he would get really angry at the cast. He'd start yelling at people. He, there would be days where he wouldn't show up, or there would be days that he'd show up and he'd sit in his trailer. <clears throat> you know, I read multiple things that happened on set that prevented that movie from moving forward. Like, he would argue with the writers, everything else. Like, he had this vision of this movie, and he wanted it done on his timeline, and he wasn't going to do it on anybody else's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But... He got hired to do that movie because of some other movie, which I don't remember the name of, that was successful. So it's like, well, let's hire him to do this. Yeah, you know, and, and this goes back. The, 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 the conversation goes around and around and around and around. Was he acting like that because that was him? Or, or was, that, was that because that was the environment that he was put into in that and he was battling with the execs the entire time? That's why, and then it spilled over to the cast. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's absolutely correct. So, yeah, I guess I fairly can't say I wouldn't hire the guy. Right. But then again, if it happened multiple times, maybe there's a pattern. Maybe it's not the execs. Maybe it's the direct. I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, that's the business aspect. Of yeah, or, or like how Brian Singer keeps on getting jobs. You know, that that's the one that's making people's absolutely. heads scratch right now with uh, – with the little boy shit, uh, that you know, all that going around, and then how he acted on his last film, uh, and now he's still getting... How he acted X-Men Last Stand. Yeah, I mean, he's got a track record of just being a fuck-up, and... Uh, but you know he's going to get hired again. With some questionable, very, very questionable um, background stuff. So, yeah, it's it's the whole inner workings of all that, that, you know, they're trying to hide from the world as much as possible, and they've still hidden it. Yeah, and, and let me ask you. Th- let me ask you this real quick. And Kevin Spacey, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, people essentially not all people, maybe because I, I'm sure he's probably doing something. But people right now are saying Kevin Spacey's unhirable. Right. Right. Nobody stays unhirable if they want. Like, if he wanted to still be an actor, I truly believe. Maybe not right this minute, but let's say five years from now. Somebody decides, you know what, Kevin Spacey, he's, he's served his time for his crime, right? Whatever allegedly happened, uh, and they put him in a movie. And let's say this movie does well. Do you, do you see a point 5, 10, 15 years from now where the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences would... Uh, make this uh, put this guy up for a nomination for best actor, and even more so, do you think that he would show up to the awards? And do you think that the Hollywood 
people in in mass, not all of them because you're always going to have outliers, but in mass would be accepting to him. And let's say this guy's 70 years old at that point. I don't know how old he is now, but let's say 70, 75, twilight of his life. Do you think they give this guy a standing ovation? Uh. No, I, I, I think I think this is something different than um, than anything we've seen before. Here, here's the here's the here's the problem. Uh, they're, 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 you know, for, from the Me Too movement, there are there are these figureheads of being monsters. Uh, Harvey Harvey Weinstein is the figurehead of the. He's the biggest monster uh, uh, from the from the whole executive production producer production company side of things. The absolute yes. worst. As actors go, Kevin Spacey is the figurehead. He is the monster. Okay. And, and I think, I don't know, I think this is the first time this has happened at, to this level. So I don't think he's ever not the monster, to be honest. Okay. I, I mean, that's a fair point because I can't say if it's happened before. Like, this is the first time I remember something like this being as well publicized and as everything like Oh, Woody Allen. We can talk about Woody Allen and, and, the, and the bizarre shit he's done his entire life. Yeah. yeah. He, he, and he's forgivable. Because he's not—he's not, he's not yes. the figurehead of a movement, you know. Um, oh, okay. So you're saying it's because it's the movement and the 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 day and age in which we live, right? Makes a big deal because of social media and everything else, and the news and how it's to everybody. When Wood, when that stuff went down and with with Woody Allen, that was like the '80s, right? What happened again recently when when he remarried? Yeah, he's done it twice now. Say that again. He's done it twice now. He, he he did it again recently. Oh, I didn't know that he did it again recently. Yeah. But wait a minute. He he adopted another kid, and married her. Uh, I got to go through the the whole the whole chain again. But I think he's married to another eighteen year old or something. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and they're like, huh? Well, that's him. And then who who was the one director that that um, married his cousin or something like that the underage covet and, and, and then fled to Polanski uh, yeah Polanski you know yeah he, Polanski he, yep his movies are are you know, are are celebrated as being great films but uh, he's never coming home he's never never going to get accepted well yeah that's another one's like yeah we like really like his movies he's a he's a fuck up but we really like his movies right and doesn't he doesn't he like where he can't return to the U S or yeah, something like that correct. But uh, Spacey, I think, is a, is a different is a different thing. He, you think it's different? Okay. I I, th- I think he's not an, an eccentric uh, actor. He's a monster. I think that's the way he's viewed, and I, I just don't see that that changing. But so so we so you think Brian Singer is looked at differently because he's not part of this movement? There have been accusations, but but I don't even know if anyone from like from like that pool party came forward. People that came forward and said there were pool parties like this. So I don't even think there's a story yet, a, you know, a negative story about him. I, have you heard anything like that? I just heard that there, there were parties. I lose track. I don't know if somebody came out and actually said he did something. Yeah, yeah I, I, to knowledge, I don't remember anyone doing that. So I think that's why he's still hireable. But, the, but I have heard stories of like people showing up at his house and you know, little boy you know, pool parties, and they're like, what the fuck is this? Right. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it's crazy, man. So I mean, we'll, we'll agree. Like Hollywood's fucking crazy. There's some crazy people. There's some. There seems to be some good people. That's the thing is, I don't know anybody in Hollywood. 
So, like, I can't give you an inside story in regards, hey, man, I know this guy who who's a producer, and he said this person's good, this person's bad, whatever the fucking whatever. Like, all we can go off is what we hear. So, Hollywood's crazy, man. No, yeah, it, it's, like I said, a lot of people, the whole art versus business thing is a pain in the ass. You would just think that at that level, it'd be reined in better, but... Um, and, you know, right now we're, we're kind of seeing old Hollywood versus new Hollywood. You know, old Hollywood, they used to get away with a lot more stuff. And, uh, you know, directors used to be gods. And things are getting a lot more um, more corporate, you know? <coughs> yeah, and then I think in a lot of ways, that's great. That's, that is a great thing. Um, um, and there are some ways where... You know, when you talk about the art aspect of it, that corporate world takes away. And I, I, I don't know, man. I like the way Hollywood is heading. Like, I like the fact that, you know, people, the diversity seems to be getting opportunities. Not as much as they should yet, but I think that, you know, I like the way that things are changing. So last night I was introduced to the term Comicsgate. So this is like Watergate, but instead of water, it's comics, as in comic books. Comic Comicsgate. Comicsgate. Okay. You, have you heard about this at all? I have not. It is a movement uh, against the establishment of comic book uh, writers and, and the big two, DC and Marvel. They, they feel that comic book um, creators now are all liberal social justice warriors uh, that are all, you know, hard left guys and girls and whatever else and um and basically to to be employable now by the big two you have to be a liberal so there's this whole movement of of people on the right hand side talking about how that these all these writers and artists are destroying the comic book industry and destroying their comic books and they're they're trying to basically get you know you know more diversity in the comic book industry so they have more conservatives and more right-wing people give them a chance to get into the comic book industry basically uh that that's an interesting perspective that i had not heard yet yeah it's 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 uh it's it's weird the guy that's leading this movement it's got a youtube channel called i think it's called diversity in comics and i watched uh some of his videos last night this guy is a fucking piece of shit I'm sorry. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. He, but he, he, he's one of those, uh, you know, um, liberals are, are, are racist against white people. He's, he, he, that, oh. he's one of those. Mm. And, he, I, I, and he doesn't like all, all the diversity where there's, there's more uh, LGBTQ characters. There's more immigrant characters. Um, he he hates all that. He wants the golden age of comics. You know, he wants back the 80s where, you know, all comic book characters were white, basically. And they would say stuff that by today's standards would be considered racist. He feels like, like you know, the fact, fact that comics are changing with the times is ruining comic books. So, wait a minute. Okay. Comic books, right? They... Uh, they historically right comic books are historically read by children i know that there are adult comics but historically yes or no yeah you could say that okay i'll say uh, let's say that and when comics 
the golden age of comics that he refers to, yes? Um, 50s, 60s? Whatever. You get the, you get the message, though. Yeah, yeah, but so so but what I'm saying though is like his golden age of comics was a different world than what we live in. So how could you not evolve like if the world is evolving, nothing sits still. Fucking movies aren't the same way that they were in the 50s. You can't put the same shit in a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the 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 Disney movie uh I think it's song not Song of the South. Is it Song of the South? Where, like, they call African-American children tar babies. Right. And I don't mean that in a racist way. I'm just explaining what the movie is. Like, you can't fucking do that now. Like, it's a hard... You have a hard time, first of all, finding that movie uh, nowadays. Second of all, like, they would not release that movie nowadays. You just... You can't. We are... We evolve. We move on. You can't just say, oh, well... it's because they're all liberals. No, not everybody that makes movies is liberal because they won't say racist shit. But but there is a That's whole stupid. But there there is a whole movement of people though that want to make America great again, so things can be like that again. Right. No, I'm serious. Which this, was the, the, this guy? Uh, no, is, no, I know. This guy is very much tied up in, in that movement. Um, which, which, which means which different my argument to, with that whole, whole thing is. Make a great America great again for who? For for them. Who? who exactly. Yeah. Because you're not making America great again for people that were fucking, you know, oppressed against because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you're not making America great for those fucking people. You're making America great for you because you're not getting what you want. Correct. So anywho, uh, um, let, let me finish up the story real quick. Um, Mark Mark Wade is is a very very popular comic book writer. Uh, he he wrote um, was it called Kingdom Come for the DC Comics, which is one of the biggest comic book series ever. It's it's the one that, that uh, uh, you know it's one of the best known series ever written, and Mark Wade wrote it. So this guy, this this right wing guy, uh, got a comic book deal with one of the independent comic book um, distributors or whatever. The story goes that Mark White found out about this, called up the distributor, and let the distributor know about the kind of stuff this guy's been talking about and what he's been saying on social media. Uh, supposedly, because this conversation happened, and because this conversation happened, this guy got cut from this from this uh, distributor, and they severed ties with them. So now this guy went out, got a lawyer, and is now suing Mark Wade for defamation. Because he informed them of shit that... This guy was saying. Yes. Which caused him to lose the job. So is James Gunn going to sue that fucking guy that got him fired? Good question. Very good question. Uh, There are so many aspects to this that drive me absolutely insane. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. But uh, I had no idea this movement was going on in comic books, but uh, it is. there's, There's a lot going on right now in entertainment. Yeah. Wow. Well, I don't know, man. I, I I think you gotta evolve. I think you know. I don't read comics, but based on stuff that you've told me, and my kids do, you know, and the stuff that they read in comics, and the stuff that I see in comics, compared to how comics were when I was a kid, compared to how comics, past comics were when our grandparents were kids, you know, 
they evolve with the world. They evolve. And if you want things to stay relevant, you want to make money, right? Because comics are about making money. Yes, they're artsy and everything else, but those people got to make money or they're not in comic shops. And if people want to make money doing it, you have to evolve and you have to go with what the fucking audience wants to see. And if the audience is more liberal, then maybe he's right. Maybe the liberals are making comics, but that doesn't make it wrong because that's what the audience wants and that's what's going to make them money. And I just think to fucking call people out and say, oh, I can't get a job because I'm not a liberal, I think that's bullshit. And he should have been fired for being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I've watched two, I watched two, channels, two, uh, two uh, videos on his channel. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy. Ooh. Ooh. I tell people, fucking keep making the comics the way you want to make them. And read the fucking comics you want to read. So. But, um, yeah. All right, sir. Well, that will end our broadcast day. All right, man. I will talk to you next week, and we will talk about some uh, Halloween stuff. Excuse me. Halloween! Halloween stuff, yeah. (laughs) Halloween. All right, man. I will see you uh, Sunday. Yep, see you Sunday. All right, man. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We have no idea what we'll talk about next time, but I'm sure we'll have a good time doing it. Our email address is thecommutehome at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, drive safe, everybody.